Next on BYUSN, we're on to 2023 and doing so with some big questions about the BYU football offense, which is the biggest question. But hang on, what's the biggest story of 2022 in BYU sports? Talk about it. Ah, yes. Welcome to BYU Sports Nation on a winning Friday presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. This is how we do it to close out 2022 on December 30th. I am Spencer Linton. He is Dave McCann. We might as well make it a big show to close out the year, right? It it feels right. It feels right. We go out big, and and we got a doubleheader tomorrow on New Year's Eve. First ever primetime basketball game on New Year's Eve at the Marriott Center. We've done a lot of things on BYU TV, specifically the sports. We've never had that on New Year's Eve. You know, they drop the curtain. You know, at the, for the starting lineup. Yes, yes. I don't know what we're going to do with dropping a ball. You can't, you can't <laughs> drop the scoreboard. It'll be a giant hole in the floor. Uh, but we've got to come up with something. Something. It's New Year's Eve. Yes. I, I'm sure that uh, David Amadova and BY Athletics Marketing, they've got something up their sleeves for sure. We're going to set the tone for the weekend with a big show today, including beefing up the ground attack. Aiden Robbins coming to BYU from the transfer portal. He's going to join us live in just a couple of moments. We're going to roll out BYU Sports Nation's early depth chart on the offense. Is it Big 12 ready? And what's the area now that needs the most work here in the offseason? Plus, men's and women's hoops, as mentioned, our New Year's Eve doubleheader assistant coach Lee Kamard going to be here with us in studio. Here are today's headlines. BYU men's basketball routes Pacific in Stockton, 69-49, 20-point victory. Jackson Robinson led the Cougars with his BYU career-high 17 points, including four three-pointers. Spencer Johnson returning from injury in a big way. His first game since Thanksgiving, he scored 15 points. The Cougars open up WCC play with a decisive win. They'll try and get to 2-0 in the West Coast Conference when they host Portland tomorrow. Coverage begins 8 Eastern on BYU TV and the app. Watching the WCC Network makes me love watching BYU TV. (laughs) Last night, live on BYU TV, Spencer and Kristen on the call. Cougars beat Pacific 69-51. Lauren Gustin, 21 points, 22 rebounds. Her second 2020 game of her career. 13th double-double of the season. Cougars shot 52% from the field, 50% from the three-point line. St. Mary's at the Marriott Center tomorrow, 4 Eastern, live on the BYU TV app. Uh, Speaking of Lauren Gustin, she's been named one of ESPN's top 40 players in all of women's college basketball. Number 36 on the list, produced by the ESPN staff, part of their midseason player of the year vote. Gustin, again, as Dave just mentioned, 13 double-doubles, but in 14 games this Mm. season. She's averaging almost 16 points a game and almost 15 rebounds per game. You've got to watch because of Lauren Gustin. Yes. Cougars in the NFL, it is a huge weekend. Tyler Algier leading the Falcons against the Cardinals. Jamal Williams and the Lions go against the Bears. Taysom Hill, Danny Sorensen, the Saints taking on the Eagles. That's a huge game. Dax Mill and the Commanders taking on Cleveland. Yeah, all of those teams still, in a way, competing for playoff spots. Aside, I think, from Algier and the Falcons. Fred Warner and the San Francisco 49ers, they're rolling right now. They'll face off against the Las Vegas Raiders. And Harvey Longy, who was just activated to that roster. Kyle Van Noy, Michael Davis, and the Los Angeles Chargers in Battle L.A. against the L.A. Rams. Brady Christensen and the Panthers take on Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Kairos Tonga and the Minnesota Vikings will face the Green Bay Packers. Like we said, huge weekend in the NFL. 
and those NFL players have been a huge part of 2022. Yeah. More on that in just a moment. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. Final tour of independence, producing an 8-5 record for BYU football. Not a bad way to end independence if you look at the last three years, Dave. 11 wins, 10 wins, 8 wins, 29 victories, and only 9 losses. So, yeah, Kalani Satake's got something going as BYU transitions into the Big 12. But as we pointed out yesterday and have done so on many shows leading up to our finale show of 2022, there are some big shoes to fill. Yeah. Jaron Hall, Puka Nakua, Gunnar Romney. You look at the offensive line, losing the Barrington brothers. We think maybe Blake Freeland's going, even though he hasn't officially announced. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. Yeah, and then the running back situation. There are so many questions about the BYU football depth chart, specifically on the offensive side, so why not lay it out? And we ask all of you to tell us, does this look like a Big 12 offense as currently constituted? It starts, obviously, with the man we talked to yesterday, Keaton Slovis, hey, a quarterback. Thank you to everybody who watched the show yesterday and then watched the interview through social media. I think the whole world watched it. <laughs> <laughs> but we know Cougar Nation expands the globe, and, uh, and people are so interested in, in Slovis. And I thought our, interest, our interview, his portion of our interview, I thought was fascinating. We learned a lot about him. And you pencil him in as... Quarterback number one, he's sure. not coming here to sit the bench. Anyone who thinks that's nuts. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so he's coming in to be the quarterback and solidify that spot. And, and as, as you look at his numbers, um, I don't know if BYU could have found a better candidate uh, with the potential he has to fit that role. Okay, so if you're not familiar with Keaton Slovis's numbers and his accolades, once upon a time in 2019, he was the Pac-12 Offensive Freshman of the Year. He was tabbed as one of the top five quarterbacks in the 2021 NFL Draft. Didn't work out for him at USC. Dealt with some shoulder injuries. Had a hamstring situation he was working through as coach well. coach got fired? His coach gets fired. He goes to Pitt, and it wasn't the fit that he was looking for. So back in the portal, and now he's at BYU and looking to regain some of that prestige that he had so that he can make the jump to the NFL and try and give BYU three consecutive starting quarterbacks in Provo that now are NFL quarterbacks. And at Pitt, he went 8-4. and four. And, and he's coming to BYU. That's why he's not playing in the uh, playing UCLA in the bowl game today uh, for, for the Panthers. Um, against 10 P5s, he went 8-4. and four. If we go 8-4 and four next year, they'll have a parade for him. <laughs> so so he, he didn't, he didn't, he's not a bust. He just, went, he just didn't go 12-0. It's like, why isn't he 12-0? Why would we want him? 8-4 uh, and four under the circumstances at Pittsburgh, um, that's a good year for Pittsburgh. But for him, he had one more year to get better for the NFL, and he thought BYU. Sure. Without question, he is a Power 5 quarterback. Yeah. Okay. So BYU's got their starting quarterback position figured out. After that, we'll see. Maybe there are some pieces that still need to come into play yeah. to shore up the depth there with a Juco kid potentially. Cade Fennigan and Soljay Maiava-Peters are there. So... We think that maybe there's one more piece to go into the quarterback room. I hope there is, Dave, because I think BYU needs one more yeah. guy. And, and you know it, I know it, Aaron Roderick knows it. There's going to be another piece. 
They, they just can't go like this last season with a gulf difference between the starter and who's got to replace him after the starter gets hurt. Got to have Lesson some more quarterback learned. depth. Yes, yeah. you can't go into a game and think, oh, man, if the starter gets hurt, then what? Because you know what? You can't call a game with half your mind thinking, i got to protect the starter because if he gets hurt, I'm hosed. Like the month of October. There was nothing after Jaron Hall, so I can't do all my plays. I can't have him running all over the field. He's got a hurt shoulder, and I don't have anyone backing him up. Well, you've got to have someone backing him up so you can go, here's the playbook to beat Oklahoma, no matter who my quarterback is, and then run it. Yeah, so there are certainly some questions and things that still need to be figured out as far as quarterback depth goes. What about the running backs room? Christopher Brooks moves on after his final year, came over as a transfer from Cal. It's now Aiden Robbins. We saw flashes of brilliance from Miles Davis and Hinkley Ropati. Does that feel like a power five running backs room is currently constituted? We're going to talk to Aiden in just a little bit on the show today. Comes in, 1,000-yard rusher from UNLV, running behind UNLV's line, not behind a BYU line. Um, a couple of years at Louisville, didn't play much, went, to, went to, to, to UNLV. He's got his degree, graduated in three years from Louisville. He's got two years, I think, to play football at BYU if he wants. Uh, 6'3", 230. That's good. That's, a, that's the size of a Big 12 running back. Can he do it? We hope so. I've heard the BYU coaches give Harvey Unga a tough time because Aiden Robbins is very, very similar stature-wise to how Harvey was. Yeah. But they're like, oh, but Harv, like, he's actually fast. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and, and Harv ran for a slow what? A couple thousand yards? Oh, 3,000 yards? 3,500 yards <laughs> yeah. in his BYU career, and he did so in three years. That could be, that could be the diamond right All there. All right. So I'm, I'm okay with the running back situation. You always want more depth there, uh, especially with the injury situation that Miles Davis went through. He was nicked up, it felt like, a lot of the year. And maybe we're just scratching the surface with Rapati. You know, when Could given be. the football late in the season, that's the first time we saw him, really, was late in the season. Could be. Your fullback, things. Yeah, your fullback is back in Mason Wake. I like the tight ends, Dave. Yeah. Isaac Rex, Jackson Bowers is a four-star recruit, comes in. BYU is anticipating that he will contribute immediately. Erickson. Ethan Erickson yeah. had some big catches this year, one for a touchdown that's coming to mind right now on a great catch. I'm okay with the tight ends, and for the most part, I'm okay with the three main receivers that BYU brings back. Again, that's just a depth situation, right? Yeah, yeah, and, and, and Epps, Hill, Roberts, uh, that, that's a big 12 receiving core. Who's behind them? That's the job of the offseason. you got to get some guys behind them. Now we get to the offensive line. And we had a conversation this morning, and we're kind of thinking, whoa, okay, maybe the offensive line is a bigger project than we were initially thinking because of the transfers of Clark and Campbell Barrington. Granted, I think most of us thought Clark might actually make the jump to the NFL. I was not anticipating that he would be back at BYU. I just didn't see him going to Baylor and joining his brother Campbell. But then if Blake Freeland ultimately decides to go and he's committed to the Reese's Senior Bowl, right? now where does BYU go? Because you return Kingsley Suomata'ia, who is amazing and will have a bright NFL future, and you bring back your center, Connor Pay, who is the captain of that offensive line. But th then we start to ask some questions. Okay, well, who is going to play the guard positions? Right now, Braden Kime has got some experience Sam Dawes, not a name that we have talked about a lot. Tyler Little. I mean, these are guys that we know who they are because we're the insiders, but they haven't 
had much experience on the field in meaningful games. And then Lasala Tai is a guy that BYU coaches are super high on. We think he's going to be a monster, akin to Kingsley Suamataia. Yeah. But after him, it's Sione Vecoso. So a lot of inexperience and kind of uh, some things that need to shore up on the offensive line. So to me, like, it's a huge question mark. Yeah, and that's something to watch in spring practice, probably more so than the other things, is that group up front and the group behind them. Uh, again, depth is so important on the defensive line and on the offensive line. And we'll spend time on the defense on another day. We're going to give them some more time to get some more guys because I think there's more to do on the defensive side. Oh, they're bringing in a ton of guys yeah. from the transfer portal as and, we and speak. And a ton of coaches with different philosophies that, that all look optimistic and good. But, but that offensive line, I think, is going to be uh, the storyline of spring. Does it feel like a Power 5 offense right now for BYU? I think it does. I think it looks like one on paper. Um, can they play like one? We'll see against Arkansas, you know, third week of the season. Um, but uh, I, I like that, that it's Sam Houston, who's uh, going to be a challenging team in their first year in D1, but they've been, they've been good coming up, giving a lot of teams trouble. And Southern Utah, I like that those are the first two games to work out some of the stuff and kind of see uh, where we're going in the running game and throw game and all that stuff. And then, and then Arkansas and then nine Big 12 games after that, <laughs> and then a bowl game. So, you know, our biggest problem has been having a team that's still standing yes. at the end of the season yes. going to a bowl game. You know, we are 23 guys down for the New Mexico Bowl. Well, let's say we were in the Cheez-It Bowl last night with 23 guys down. We'd get killed. Yikes. So, got to be healthy to start, got to have depth to be healthy in the middle, and you got to still have a team at the end because you just might be playing for something that – that uh, you haven't had a chance to play for in so many years. You talked to both of the teams that most recently made a group of five to power five transition, and I'm speaking specifically of TCU and Utah, and their coaches say the same thing. We felt really good about our ones, our starters, when we got to the power five scenario, but behind them, that was where the big questions remained. Yeah. Like, okay, well, what if our starters or a few of these guys get hurt, then what? And that's where it takes a little while to kind of build that depth. That is the challenge for BYU, Dave, is to try and build that depth and, and do so in an accelerated time frame. That's really difficult. Yeah, and that's life in the big time. And this is what they have hoped for for so long, and it is going to be hard. And that's what you got to do. And we've seen teams elevate from non-P5 to P5, and it's taken some time, and, and TCU is playing in the playoff. You know, it can be done. Um, but, uh, but it's not easy, and, uh, and, and that's the challenge, which is so much better than, let's say, we're looking at another independent schedule coming up next fall. Certainly. And everyone else is moving on, but BYU's not. I think then we'd be saying the sky's falling. Instead, it's that's the mountain to climb, and we get to climb it. Our biggest question mark is BYU tries to climb that mountain, clearly on the offensive line right now. Yeah. Where do you, and, and we'll finish out with this, where do you feel the most confident about any individual position group for BYU on the offensive side right now? A quarterback. Okay. Straight I up with Slovis. With everything that we talked about yesterday, here's a guy that's played 34 P5 games in his career, and he's, and he's won more than he's lost, um, and we're going into a, a P5 league for the first time. So there's a guy to follow, and I think that's what makes him the biggest asset in the locker room. Okay. Who's going to protect the guy you that's feel the, the most confident? Yeah. That's the, we've got to keep him upright who's, and keep him throwing. Who's going to protect that guy? 
Big storylines all over the board as we close out 2022. Certainly, Keaton Slovis coming in as the next guy is one of the bigger stories to close out this year. And we now move to Voice of the Nation because we want you to answer a similar question. What, in your opinion, is the, B- the biggest rather BYU sports story of 2022? Hmm. Cougar Stats on Twitter answers, casting off the shackles of independence. Yeah, the final independence tour is now done. BYU wins eight games, four-game win streak to close it out. Independence was so good because it brought BYU to this place. It was the proper middle ground. Yeah. It gave BYU exactly what they were hoping for back in 2011. And we had a good time. We went all over the place. You know, Cougar Nation expanded because the team went to so many more places. Um, This show, BYU Sports Nation, happened in large part because of independence yeah, and the freedom to go and do more sports content on BYU TV. How about game day? Expanded to two hours. Build a set across in Cougar Canyon uh, where the rock all comes yeah. and celebrates like, like our friends at ESPN. You know, they, they do it right. Let's do it like them. Um, just, just even the, the high-definition technology of our broadcasts have elevated through independence and, and the commitment to do it. And all you have to do is look at our broadcast tomorrow night and compare it to just about anything we see that's not named ESPN Mothership. And it's, and it's just, everything's been elevated. BYU TV's elevated right with the football program, right with the university. Look at Mark Pope's roster. Look at where they're from. They're from all over the world. You know, independence has taken BYU everywhere. Independence has been awesome and has been hard but it's delivered in the end. Ah, and great things still to come, for yeah. sure, in 2023. At TrueBlueBYU1984 on Twitter says, preparing to go to the Big 12 Conference. Yes, the 2022 football season specifically, in large part, was a litmus test and this preparatory stage to see how BYU could handle a tough schedule knowing what's coming down the pipeline that Power 5 pipeline. And there are some concerns, for sure. How does BYU stay healthy? How how do they avoid a catastrophe like they had in October, where some injuries happen and your quarterback's banged up and you don't win a game in the month of October? Like, BYU, those experiences, as hard as they were, can, in a strange way, be beneficial for them as they try and prepare for what is going to be a gauntlet in 2023. It's interesting, too, that with the exception of a few, as BYU's played these P5s, they haven't gotten killed. They'll get blown out. You know, there's a non-P5 trying to be a P5 that's going to become a P5, and even over the 12 years in the games they've lost. So many close games against the measuring sticks, as opposed to, we're up here and you guys are way down there, good luck. Yeah. And I think that gives us optimism for for coming in, in, in September. We're just scratching the surface on the sports stories. We haven't even really gone into depth as far as the NFL guys go. There are some superlatives there. We'll get to that later in the show. But first, a reminder to join us on social media, hashtag BYUSN, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And we got a New Year's Eve party approaching, Dave. Absolutely. Tomorrow night at the Marriott Center, Cougars host Portland. First primetime New Year's Eve game at the Marriott Center in program history. Coverage starts at 8 Eastern with BYU Sports Nation game day on BYU TV and the BYU TV app. Tip-offs at 9 Eastern. 
With me, Spencer, Blaine Fowler on the call. I don't know if we should wear bow ties or not. I haven't quite decided. <laughs> it's New Year's Eve, though. Feels like we should do something. Maybe we should dress it up, class it up a little bit. <laughs> take, it, take it to the next level. Uh, BYU football hoping to class up their running backs room with Aiden Robbins. He's on his way to Provo from UNLV. What is the new running back expect to do in 2023? He's got big resolutions, I'm sure. This is BYU Sports Nation. We are live in Studio B on a Friday. This is your day-to-day -day BYU Sports play-by-play. -play. I'm Spencer Linton alongside Dave McCann. Shall we whip it? Let's whip it. Let's do it. The Cougar Whip Round presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. I saw Debo in concert in Vegas one year, <laughs> and when they sang Whip It, we all knew the words. It was great. So we're whipping it here. BYU's up to 109 in the net rankings. Talking about basketball, that's the highest of the season. Okay. Will they be a top? 100 net team before Gonzaga comes to town on January 12th. There's one way to get to a sub 100 net ranking, and that is to win at LMU, and that is a big ask. Yes, BYU is going to face a formidable foe tomorrow night in an improved Portland squad. Portland can shoot the three. They get going. Watch out. LMU is 85th in the net rankings. They're 11-4 right now, Dave. They hammered Portland last night. At, at Portland? Yeah. So, to me, the way that BYU can make that next significant jump in the net rankings clearly is winning at LMU, and that feels like a big ask for this BYU team. If they do, and then they get the next one, it's a nine-game winning streak coming into Gonzaga at the Marriott Center where the place will be rocking because the students will be back. Can't ask for much more now. If BYU wins nine games in a row, if they beat Portland and LMU and San Diego, they've won nine straight, then they're flirting with a top 80 net ranking, like which would be fantastic. And now there's juice and confidence for the guys. And bring on the Zags. When you bring in a top 10 team in Gonzaga. First up, Portland tomorrow. Got to yeah. get them tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, if the win streak ends prior to Gonzaga, understandably, we think it's probably at LMU in Los Angeles. Be tough. Okay, on to football. And there's an emerging storyline for two former BYU running backs here. This is really cool. Jamal Williams and Tyler Algier, both in their respective elements, having memorable seasons. It is Tyler's rookie campaign, Jamal having his best year as a pro. Right now, Jamal has 850 yards rushing, 14 touchdowns on the ground. Tyler Algier at 817 yards on the season. He's averaging almost five yards per carry. He scored twice. Who's going to get to 1,000 rushing yards first? Algier has the best shot because he gets the ball more outside of the four-yard line. That's where Jamal's making a living. Jamal needs two more touchdowns to tie Barry Sanders Wild. for the Lions' season record of 16. Jamal and Barry in the same sentence. He needs two touchdowns, too. <laughs> uh, Algier gets the ball now all the time. And uh, he's coming off a couple of, of, of good weeks. Plus, I'm starting him this week on my fantasy team in the playoffs. I need Tyler this week. Yeah. I think he's got the chance because he's going to get the most carries to, to get to 1,000. For sure. And he's taken a lot of carries from a great veteran in Cordero Patterson. And, and now that their season's basically over, yeah. Lions are still in the playoff Develop line. your running back. Give him the rock. And let him make a serious run, no pun intended, at some rookie of the year consideration. Absolutely. Give so him I, the ball. I think it's going to be Tyler Algier. One, because he averages almost, well, and he averages more than a yard more per carry compared to Jamal. 
Like the Falcons offensive line has done some nice things for Tyler, but Tyler's got that special burst, right? Yeah. He just And he can throw him a screen pass and and he can do stuff. He can do some special things. So I, I think Tyler gets to a thousand rushing yards first, but I do think Jamal Williams with two games left. I think he's going to tie Barry Sanders. We're going to have to ask Aiden Robbins. He's incredible. If the fact that we're having this conversation with BYU running backs, part of the reason For he's sure. here. You throw Tyson Williams in there, too, and you've got, you got three going to the show or in the show. All right, speaking of the show, mm. uh, on Monday, January 2nd, will you be cheering for Penn State in the Rose Bowl? This is a simple question of blue versus red, Dave. Uh, and, one, and, of the, one of the teams has blue, <laughs> and the other team has red. And also happens to be BYU's longtime arch nemesis. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think any, as, as much as BYU fans want to try and play nice and like, oh yeah, no, I hope the state of Utah does well. There is always this little iota somewhere <laughs> buried deep in the heart of the best BYU fans uh, that are like, oh, I kind of hope Penn State wins. <laughs> my, my Part wife, of the rivalry. My wife thinks I should be a better person, a more accepting, <laughs> more broad you know, of, of, of entertaining a Ute success uh, in a game that doesn't involve BYU. But, um, you know. <laughs> I'm working on that. <laughs> I'm that's, with you. That's going to take some time. I'm, I'm working. I'm, I'm trying to be a bigger person, a better person, and, and root for the comrades within the Beehive State. But, but I'm not trying that hard. Really difficult. Be... Really difficult to do so. We'll see. We'll see what happens. <laughs> All right. Let's stay with big-time college football. I think we towed the line there pretty good. Yeah, we, we're trying. We're trying. we're trying. College football playoff semifinals tomorrow. Number three, TCU. Big underdog against number two, Michigan, in the Fiesta Bowl. Number four, Ohio State. An obvious underdog mm. against number one, Georgia, in the Peach Bowl. Who do you got to advance to the national championship? I've got Michigan because I think they're just better. Mm. Uh, and they were humiliated the last time they were there. So I think that's the motivation. Plus, I like Harbaugh. I don't know why. I just like Harbaugh. Yeah, okay. He's an yeah. interesting dude. He's an interesting dude, and he's, he, he stands for the kind of a lot of things that, that you go, you know, I'm glad someone's speaking out about this or that. Or he lives, you know, he, 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 he lives his, he's not two people. He is what he is. You know, he's a religious guy coaching football, and I'm okay with that. Uh, so I think Michigan. I'm gonna I'm gonna cheer for cheer for Michigan. Okay, you're gonna cheer for Michigan. And I, just I the, think they'll. Okay. Uh, yeah, because you know TCU, they're in the Big 12, but I'm not quite there yet on TCU either. Okay. You know, it's like we remember them from from the past. They're then. So I I I think I'm gonna go Michigan there. Ohio State is an interesting matchup with Georgia. Georgia is clearly the best team in the country, but the Buckeyes could win that game. Ohio State did it in 2014 as the number four seed. They went on to win two games and won the national championship. Nobody's talking about the Buckeyes since they got pounded by Michigan. Yeah. Can you, Ohio can you State, imagine Ohio State, an Ohio State-Michigan national championship? I'd watch that, even though I got nothing to do with the Big Ten. That game would be incredible. Yeah. It's a so Duke, watch it be TCU and Georgia. It's a Duke-North it Carolina Michigan. college basketball national championship. I'm right. siding with my buddy Mike Hedrick's Ohio State Buckeyes on that one. It's going against the trend. Yeah, I love Max Duggan, and, and I like Sonny Dykes, and I think TCU's done some remarkable things. Um, so it's been fun to watch their crazy run. They, they deserve to be there. I just don't think that they have enough to beat a yeah. Michigan team that's riding they high They couldn't beat Kansas right State. I don't know how they beat Michigan. Yeah, that, that's another that's – a, that's a big ask, right? Yeah. And Ohio State is sneaky because, yeah, as you pointed out, they're just kind of like off there and – 
I don't think anybody outside of Buckeye Nation is really thinking like, oh, they can make a run. Everyone's kind of like, oh, it's going to be Georgia, Michigan. We'll see. Ohio State, Michigan would be just an epic national championship game. Maryland and North Carolina State, they're playing in the Duke's Mayo Bowl as we speak. The winning coach gets a bucket of mayo dumped, dumped right on their that head. That sounds awful. Uh, if you could have a condiment dumped on you, <laughs> what would be your choice? You know, you're thinking mustard, there's ketchup, there's mayonnaise, relish. I mean, if we're talking condiments. Is A1? Is A1? Like, does whipped cream count as a condiment if, if it's a dessert dish? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if that does. I think, we, I think whatever I'd put on a hot dog would be a condiment. Okay. But I, I don't know. Oh, man. I'd go with ketchup. They, yeah, I, I like for ketchup. sure. Ketchup goes with everything. They, <laughs> It all sounds terrible. It does. It all sounds just absolutely awful. Would you rather get dumped on by a bucket of ice cold Gatorade than a big thing of mayonnaise? Probably. <laughs> That's how gross the mayonnaise bucket sounds. At least the mayonnaise sounds. probably wouldn't be cold. Oh, it's just so gross. And yeah. What a prize. Congratulations. <laughs> you did it. Congre <laughs> yeah, congratulations for real. Here's a bucket of mayonnaise. BYU TV is your home for a New Year's Eve doubleheader college basketball. First, the women host St. Mary's 4 Eastern on the BYU TV app, followed by the men against Portland 9 Eastern on BYU TV. You're going to have a long day. I am. And you know what? I, I, I want to change my answer to the last question, Dave. I like dill relish. So can I go with that? I like dill pickles. I'll go with dill relish. I hate dill pickles. <laughs> really? Yes, you're going dill relish. Dill relish. All right. For sure. Noted. <laughs> Coming up. 2008 Mountain West Conference Men's Basketball Player of the Year, Lee Kamard. He's currently an assistant basketball coach for the women at BYU. He's got a big-time recruiting class coming. We'll talk about that and much more as the ladies try and get things going in WCC play. Stay with us. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. It's a winning Friday on BYU Sports Nation, and you just saw BYU women's basketball highlights from their 18-point win over Pacific last night, led by an incredible performance from Lauren Gustin. 21 points, 22 rebounds. Incredible. I mean, just wild numbers for Lauren Gustin to help us discuss how that is capable of happening and why it's not an irregular thing is BYU women's basketball assistant coach Lee Kamard. Let, let's start with Lauren Gustin. Because we've seen her go 20-20 before. To do it again is something else. And I don't think it'll be the last time she does it either, Lee. Absolutely not. She'll have <laughs> a couple more of those this season, in my opinion. Wow. Okay, 21 and 22. How aware are you of her getting close to that type of game statistically? Well, we get report stats every media timeout, every timeout, and we're following it. You know, it's not super important, but we're thrilled when she has games like that. Her development uh, down low in the basket, and you spent a lot of time in your career down around the basket, and of course you went out there and shot too, but, but as you, as from understanding your game and, and coaching her to get better at her game, what do you work on? The best thing that she does, she just has a motor that's unlike anybody else, okay? And now it's just adding the basketball side of things to that. She works with Morgan every day, some finishes around the rim, and very comfortable now shooting that 15 to 17 foot jumper. 
to where they have to guard and she can use her athleticism to get around some of the slower footed uh, post players on opposing teams. But just that experience of getting the ball down there, she's drawn a lot of attention in the last few games, but uh, just managing it and being successful. You obviously had a fantastic mid-range game. So how much are you involved in helping a player like Lauren Gustin de- like evolve and, and develop sure. that? Sure. I think at least this year I'm more with her mentally, just talking through the game. Morgan's spending a lot of time hands-on with her. Last few years, though, we spent a lot of time in the gym specifically working on that 15-, 17-foot jump shot. Obviously down in the post as well, which is her bread and butter, but more just talking the game, learning the game mentally and, and seeing it like, hey, what are they doing? How are they playing you? How are they guarding you and defending the ball screen action? And what's my read out of that? So that's what it is. So amazing how much freedom you got in your game when your point guard was in double figures and had seven or eight assists. Uh, and, and now transfer over to the to the women's game, even last night with, with Fawatea with 14 points and seven assists. What does that do for Gustin when when the point guard is contributing? In yeah, game? I mean, you're seeing it at all levels of the, of, the, of the game of basketball, right? You spread the floor out. You got a couple playmakers. You got somebody that can score inside, which is Lauren, right? And then you play that two-man game. And just understanding, hey, how's the defense trying to defend us? How are we trying to attack that? And what are the reads out of that? Are they coming from the weak side? Are they doubling down on Lauren? What's her read? You know, just kind of that, understanding that. And for Nani, game reps, you can't replicate it. You can practice it, but a game situation for her getting downhill, then she has dumps to Lauren, opens it up more for Lauren because they're keyed on uh, for Nani. And it's just kind of a, how are you attacking us? We're going to come back this way, you know. So. Lee Kamard is with us on BYU Sports Nation. You're in a unique position because you go from the Judkins staff and with just an historic season a year ago, yeah. it was unbelievable. Yeah. It was so fun to watch that team excel and get a 60 in the NCAA tournament and win the WCC regular season championship going away, it felt like. And now you're part of the new staff and there have been some understandable struggles and you've seen attrition and star players leave. What's been the best part uh, about all of this process for you going from one staff to the next and the hardest part? I think both are the same for me because it's a whole new experience. I've never been a part of something as challenging, right? Last year we were spoiled. We had all these seniors. We had Shaylee, and we could have walked into a lot of the WCC games and won regardless of our game plan and, and the preparation into that. Now the margin of error is a lot smaller. And it's not because we're not as talented. We just don't have the experience that we've had. Coming together as a staff, right, growing together as a staff, but growing these girls' games and the experience that they get in a game, it's really fun. It's challenging, a lot more challenging. It has its uh, – some days it's not as fun, right? Like, <laughs> but some, just that growth that's happening for them, seeing it, but also for us, me as an individual, the staff as well, figuring out, hey – your strength, my strength, how does this all fit, as well as the players, it's fun. You're also at the epicenter of where the transfer portal is is rocking college basketball. And so you're on a staff that has to go recruit and re-recruit the current players that you have. So it's not all about now going and finding, it's about going and finding and trying to keep. But as you move forward, uh, with the addition of, a, of, a, of another big-name four-star player that's coming and this last recruiting class, which might push you up to the top 20 
for your first recruiting class with this new staff. Um, that's pretty optimistic. Sure. We, we like the girls that are here. Obviously, you're always trying to improve yeah. and get better. There's a great class coming in, right? Starts with coach's daughter. And good players want to play with other good players. And so it just kind of snowballs from there. With the current players, getting that experience that they waited patiently to get, throw in a couple four stars like you're talking about, things get exciting pretty quick. We're trying to think uh, two players and eight stars. It's been a while since that's, <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. happened. For sure. It's exciting for sure. We've seen some big players. I mean, yeah. Lexi Eaton and Shaylee Gonzalez, two of the all-timers, BYU women's basketball. How much do you utilize what they've done and what those players' names have accomplished at BYU women's basketball when you are recruiting potential stars that you see big things for at BYU? Sure, you just, you just focus on the trajectory or the track record of the program of BYU women's basketball, right? Girls that are coming here know I can come here, I can get on all the watch lists, I can be up for the Becky Hammond Award, you know, come in and produce. We've been ranked, you know, basically the last 20 years with Judkins, and that's what's going to proceed to happen as we go forward. And the track record's there. You come here, play at a high level, first-class facilities, first-class resources, and, and administration's on board supporting it. It's a good thing. Now everyone knows you were a big star on the men's team. <laughs> 2008, most valuable player in the Mountain West <laughs> Conference. Uh, is there a difference with how you were coached and the way you coach? I try to be what I liked from the coaches that I had, right? Taking a little from each, right? From Coach Rice, from Dave Rose, from Coach Judkins, from some of the pro coaches that I had overseas and blend all of that in and relay that to the athletes that I'm working with on a day-to-day -day basis, right? What did I like? How did I like to be talked to, right? The wording that I liked. <laughs> How I did not like the to be The tone <laughs> that I appreciated, you yeah. know, and, and bundle all that up and have as much of an impact with them. I think I try to focus on probably just thinking the game more than just the physical side of it, right? Especially with the younger girls or women that haven't played as much. Yeah. Like, hey, let's understand what's going on so that you can excel, right? So I can't think of a more difficult way to start conference play than what BYU <laughs> women's sure. basketball faced. I mean, you played Gonzaga. Yeah. You just picked to win the league. You played them tough. A close game. You end up losing by nine. That's a Saturday. Then you don't practice on Sunday. You're in the Pacific Northwest on the road, and you have to play Portland on Monday night, who's the other team that's maybe going to win this conference that most people think. Okay, so you come back, you get Pacific and St. Mary's. To get to 2-2, two and two, what would that mean given the difficult start, and, and how do you get that done against St. Mary's? Yeah, there's going to – I mean, there's not going to be a lot of teams that go on that Pacific Northwest swing and win a lot of games, okay? Battled Gonzaga tough. Quick turnaround Monday games for any sports team at BYU are the worst. Brutal. Experienced it on the men's side. Practices are worse because it's Sunday before and we don't do a whole lot. So that game wasn't our best game of the year by far. Um, coming back, get back on track with a Monmouth win before the break. Really happy with how they came back after Christmas, right? You could tell most of the girls had done something physically, so there wasn't a, a lead up into the game. Super happy with last night's performance, aside from the turnovers. Great, great attention to detail and focus from the girls. 
Got another big one Saturday. They played a tough one against San Diego, lost in overtime. We're up big early. Uh, got our work cut out for us. They play a style of play that, you know, is hard for us. Uh, play a lot of guards at times. So the kind of the the matchup of, hey, do we play big? Do we play small? And how that affects, you know, the flow of the game. It's going to be a good one, though. BYU and St. Mary's typically a very physical, physical game. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Uh, New Year's Eve, before the ball drops in New York, right. the ball must be tipped yeah. off in Provo. <laughs> it right? must be tipped off. Goes up, go. must come down. Okay, Let's Lee, go. great to talk with you, man. Happy New Year to you, and Same. good luck tomorrow Same. against St. Mary's. Thanks, guys. All right, we mentioned earlier uh, our doubleheader for New Year's Eve, uh, the women's game for Eastern Time on the BYU TV app, and in the nightcap, TV coverage on BYU TV. Our radio guys are working as well on New Year's Eve. Greg Rubel, Mark Durant, they fire up their pregame coverage at 8 Eastern on BYU Radio and the BYU Radio app. That's all tomorrow. All right, aside from Lee Kamard being retained on the new staff, what's your biggest BYU sports story of 2022? You qualify, Lee. That was big. Your responses to uh, our question of the day up next on BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. BYU Sports Nation rolls on live from Studio B. Fun show to close things out. We do have one programming update. I know we promised you Aiden Robbins, the new running back for BYU football. He's having some connectivity issues. And so we don't want to shortchange this man. We want to make sure that everything is perfect. We've got the right technology in place and we can have a long, uninterrupted interview with him. So we have opted to push that to next week. Something to look forward to in 2023, if you will, Dave. Right now, we have human beings on the International Space Station circling the Earth, but sometimes we can't get the zoom (laughs) just right. So that's today. Yeah, we don't want to shortchange Aiden Robbins. We want to hear him loud and clear, and uh, we're going to see him play a lot in the fall, and so we'll tackle it next week. Absolutely. We want to do him the courtesy that we did with Keaton Slovis and and make it that type of profile interview, right? Yeah. Yeah, But it does give us some time. Indeed. To discuss the top BYU stories of 2022. Now, this is an interesting conversation because as far as, like, athletic accomplishments go, there was no, like, clear, unbelievable, unforgettable season as a whole for a team, right? Like, men's cross country had their day in the sun, but they fell a little bit short of the national championships. Football was rolling through September, and then they stumbled through October. Men's and went some titles last spring, remember, in track. Went some sh- titles yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. But what's the top story of BYU sports in 2022? And I kind of default to NFL superlatives because – BYU, they have increased the number of players they have in the NFL, but it's not just having players in the NFL. It's what those players mean to their teams and what they are doing. Yes. So by superlatives, I mean BYU has the best or most or most unique uh, rookie of the year, like those type of players. So let's, let's start with Fred Warner. I mean, is there a better linebacker in the NFL right now? No. No, there isn't. And he's on this vast list of, uh, of big names, and, and, and you see Zach there at the bottom. We'll talk about Zach in a moment. But, but you got Warner, who's a cut above. You have Jamal Williams leading the NFL in rushing touchdowns. Jamal Williams, yes. BYU running back, Touchdown leading the leader. NFL in touchdowns. Superlatives. At the end of December. Taysom Hill, the Swiss Army knife, has become 
just one of the most unique players in the history of the game. Ten receiving touchdowns in his career, ten rushing touchdowns, ten passing touchdowns. Is that a big deal? Uh, yeah, I believe he's the first player to do it in the modern era. you got to go all the way back to 1960 to find Frank Gifford as the dude that was that type of versatile so player. Since they merged, he's the only one to have done it. He's the most unique player in the NFL right now. On offense. Yeah. I, I mean, he's also blocked punts and blocked field goals, Dave. Like, what other player is doing that? I blame the Saints for not being better at getting him the ball more often because he just does things with it. Yeah, so you've got the, the most unique player. You've got the NFL's leading touchdown rusher. You've got a rookie of the year candidate in Tyler Algier. And you've got arguably the best linebacker in the entire game. All from BYU. Then you throw in the Zach Wilson scenario. Which is like the biggest story of them all. Because it comes from the biggest television yes. market in the country. Uh, and, and every week there's a Zach Wilson story. And we gotta be we gotta Jets. be fair. It's it's been rough. I mean, yeah. you wanna talk about a player that's been impacted mentally, but but not just that. Zach's offseason was incredibly talked about. He's such a polarizing player based on things that have happened off the field, his injuries once he got back on the field, it, and he's in the New York market. Yeah. So he's a, he's a big story week in and week out, for better or worse. It feels like the, there's this campaign to tear him down, and there's also some things he hasn't done to help himself, which feeds the campaign of, of this isn't what we thought. This is the bust of the draft. This is the this. And, and when he's on the field with the Jets, you're just like, just make a good play. Just make a good play. <laughs> you just need a good play. Give him something to talk about. And for one reason or another, and you can go right down through the quality of the Jets, yeah. but also the quality of Zach's play, and it's just blended into one disaster. And you wonder. I just don't know if he can recover. Yeah. Like we asked the question, uh, I think yesterday or earlier this week, do we expect to see Zach Wilson playing in New York again. I don't, I don't know how you come back from this in that market with this team. If he does and plays better, huge credit to him. And he can go to another team in another style with other players and have an awesome career. We see, we see careers get turned around all the time just by situations. Uh, so he's got the talent to be an NFL quarterback. We all still believe that. Yeah. It just may not be with the Jets. Oh, and then there's Andy Reid, BYU guy. Yeah. You're just doing his thing with the Kansas City Chiefs. So he needs six Ho wins to, ta to catch Tom Landry Amazing. as the fourth winningest coach in the history of the National all, Football all League. All-timer. And he, he loves BYU football. Uh, yeah. you, know, it's, well, you know it's an underrated storyline for, for Andy Reid as it pertains to BYU? Him showing up at a game and not sitting in a suite. Just like sitting in the stands, hanging out with his family, watching the game in the cold elements. That's how he rolls. <laughs> That's how he rolls. Just give him a hamburger. Let him do his thing. Uh, as it pertains to BYU specific, um, the end of independence is a huge storyline yeah. for BYU. And also the coaching staff changes at the end of the Jay year. Jay Hill, huge story. Absolutely. Jeff Judkins retiring, huge story. Mike Littlewood abruptly resigning in the middle of the season for baseball, huge story. And if we're going to talk about just memorable wins, like beating a top 10 team at Lavelle Edwards Stadium in double overtime, you had to go all the way back to the Miami game the last time BYU beat a top 10 team at home. Yeah. So I know that Baylor didn't pan out, but at the time, man, that was an incredible moment and an incredible victory for BYU.
And those national champions in the spring with track, uh, Wayment, uh, and I'm trying to think of the javelin, uh, javelin tosser who won. We're just kind of winging it Oh, yeah, it Ashton here. Reiner. Reiner, yeah, national champs, more power to them. Those were great stories, too. Our Elite Voice of the Day presented by PAX Healthcare Elevated. Clyde Livingston on Twitter answers the story of 2022. And every year is, I just can't wait for next year. Well, there's some real truth to that with Power Five conference oh, yeah. uh, implementation coming into play. As a Cubs fan, I know that phrase very well. <laughs> wait till next year. Next year's our year. If you missed our Keaton Slovis interview yesterday uh, or any of our other BYU TV sports content, you can watch it on demand at BYUSN.com. We highly recommend it. Yes. Uh, it's going to be an uphill climb for me to get a win in fantasy basketball this week and probably yes. for most of the season. <laughs> our update next on BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. BYU Sports Nation's on demand. Download the free BYU TV and BYU radio apps or listen to the podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review. Here's your fantasy basketball update for the week. Uh, Jerem, after last night's games for BYU men's and women's basketball, leading 113 points to 71, but he did have his opponent player going last night when I did not. So he had five to my four. He leads by 42 points going into New Year's Eve. Strangely, I need a huge game from Tyler Robertson of Portland men's basketball. And I, frankly, I need a lot more from Gideon George and Rose Bubakar from BYU. So while we're calling the BYU-Portland game, yes. you'll be watching Robertson. <laughs> Hoping he scores baskets. I hope that BYU wins the game <laughs> running away, but Tyler Robertson goes for 25 points. That is a tough way to I wrap know, up I know. It's year. a weird deal Good for luck sure. With that. All right, today's Rise and Shoutout presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Let's give it to the year 2022 and uh, what BYU accomplished in that year. We're on to 2023. Our thanks to today's guest, Lee Kamard. Aiden Robinson, uh, Robbins will join us next week on BYU Sports Nation. Hey, a shout-out to Mark Wallington in Las Vegas for watching our show today. <laughs> Conversation continues 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. This and all of our shows are on demand on BYUSN.com. For Dave McCann, I'm Spencer Linton. Shout-out to Trent Place, and we'll see you tomorrow for a New Year's Eve BYU basketball doubleheader. Go Cougs!